Unknown Podcast once again. I'm your host, Matt Olson, and tonight I'm joined by three absolute legends. Uh, to start us off, a man making his uh, full-time debut, our Mariners correspondent, uh, a man that in 2007 advocated for the Central Coast Mariners to be renamed the Gosford Seaman. It's Zach Holbrook. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. That's a good one. Oh, God. Zach, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are we all? Pretty good ourselves? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah. We're all good. Also on the panel, uh, voted Newcastle's biggest ABBA enthusiast for the second year running, it's Alex Yamus. <laughs> it's terrible. Only the second year running? What is this? I feel a bit wrong. <laughs> and, um, well... This one is nowhere near as good as the other two. It's, uh, sir, can I go to the toilet? It's Marcel Abood. <laughs> oh, fuck. Are you, are you kidding me? Seriously, you can come up with something better than that. Uh, at, at, at least you guys got shout-outs. I'm not even one of these three legends, so um, I'm slightly offended here. Well, how often do you talk on the show, Mr. Thompson? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there we... I, 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 I mainly produce... Well, yeah, I've got, to separate, I've got to try and separate my teaching life from my, you know, life outside of school kind of thing. So we keep the football and the professional life separate, you know? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, uh, let's get into it. Round six started on Friday night in Adelaide. And um, this is the fourth game out of six on Friday night that's been at home up stadium. So don't know what's up with the draw there, but Adelaide yet again hosting and yet again winning. Um, there was a bit of controversy in the match. Now, I didn't actually watch it. Um, it's been well documented what's been going on in my life at the moment. So, by all reports, it was a, a lot of a lot of a, a good attacking football. It was a really good game. Um, but but what did you guys make of it? Well, I thought, look, I thought it was a good game. Um, just the bit of controversy at the end, how uh, the red card sent the sending off at the very end. Um, and the eye gouging by... Uh, uh, the Adelaide player, uh, Regan Taylor, just, um, I thought that should have been a red card. Taylor, Regan. And that the red card that was given at the end of the game should have probably been a yellow. So, in reverse. Right. Um, so, go on, Alex. Nah, I fully agree. I was going to say, Taylor Regan, number one, not Regan Taylor. I mean, that's a better oh, name, sorry, but still. Bad. Taylor Regan, I had to deal with his... Horrible defended in Newcastle for many years. Um, I think, look, every, I reckon the Mork one was a red card, a straight red. A lot. I've had a few, I had an argument with a mate who supports um, Brisbane Raw, and he's like, oh, no, how can you give that a straight red? But that's the only one. Um, I didn't see Regan's eye gouge, so I'm not sure about what happened there. But I do know that there was a bit of a talking point with the second second with Mork's red and to me that was a straight red but yeah but other than that look, I thought the game was quite good it was quite entertaining even uh, Aloisi at the end um, I don't know if you guys heard the uh, Fox Sports mic you heard him swearing very passionate very fiery character well that was for me, like, if, if there's going to be controversy between two teams, you time wanted to be Adelaide and Brisbane because we, we, we know about Marco Kurtz and the trouble he causes. And John Aloisi is definitely a fiery character, as well as his brother as well. We remember when Ross got in a fight with one of um, Mark Redown's assistants at uh, Wellington when, when, when they played. So, 
yeah, uh, that was always going to be interesting. And, um, yeah, I mean, the reaction afterwards was, was definitely something um, as well with those two. But um, I like saying that. That's good. I love it when coaches get past it like that. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't do it, but at the same time, it's well, great to see. In, in Aloysius' case, you probably shouldn't have a foul mouth, and in Marco Kurt's case, you shouldn't be playing the victim card every two seconds, but, you know, it is what it is, and, and the passion is definitely a good thing, so I definitely concede your point there, Alex. Um, I was just going to say, on, on with regards to uh, Brisbane, obviously Adam Taggart's gone out injured now. Um, how much do we think that will affect the Raw? They're well, playing the Jets next week. Well, they're playing the Jets next week. That's an easy win for them. I'm not confident <laughs> well, in Newcastle at the moment. Is that game at Suncorp? No, it's at Hunter. It's uh, at McDonald Jones. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it could be uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it will be a good matchup. Um, I don't know what to think of the Jets yet. It's a bit like Sydney FC. You, you don't know how far they can go to repeating. Um, obviously, what they what they got up to last season, but um, we'll not get to very that. far. <laughs> um, Adelaide United um, are actually becoming a bit of a, a bit of a top top four threat. Um, even what do we what do we make of their performance thus far? Just just given that obviously um, you know we're not sure about Melbourne City and what might be going on there with controversy, despite the fact that they won this week. Obviously, as we we're just saying, that the Jets have fallen off, the Wanderers have fallen off. So, uh, Adelaide have a genuine chance of, of securing a, a home final with with all of that given, with sort of the drop off of, of these other sides. Oh yeah. Easily, of course they yeah, are. Yeah, easily. easily. I saw it last yeah. year with Kurtz. Uh, I just find it kind of funny because we we were talking for so long about how they were struggling to actually score, and, and all of a sudden they've actually found rhythm now in their game. Um, I don't know how legitimate Halloran playing up front and scoring these goals is, but it, it seems to be working somehow. So because he, he, he bagged the brace, um, and that was good. We also got Ilso bagging two against Wellington, right? So it's starting to work for them. Um, I I still. Have my doubts because I don't think they're that good of a team on paper. But I guess if the Wanderers are going to be falling off the perch um, and the Jets are doing doing so as well, it's it's probably um, they're a smoky. I reckon they're a smoky to like uh, just to sneak in to the finals. They they probably look in all honesty will probably get a home final at the end. They'll just kind of sneak in. They do their thing. They won't be glamorous about it, and everyone will be fearing to play them eventually because they're going to be those sides that they're gritty. They're good at what they do, and they make no fuss about it. Mm-hmm. Agree. Do check their goal scoring, and quite often it's Goodwin with the assist, the hockey assist, or the goals as well. So if something happens to Goodwin, you'd see them drop off. I we we've been speculating on this show for a while that something will happen to Goodwin. He'll probably be shipped back off to Europe um, in, in January. So uh, yeah, I mean, who knows where their future lies? But that's that's for uh, in a month's time or so. Um, well, as it stands now, as it stands now, I just think Adelaide are going to be the team that are going to cause a lot of issues for teams. Yeah. The teams that want to that are trying to push for third and, and second, like to get past them right now, it's it's very hard. Like they, whatever you throw at them, they'll they'll throw back easily with they without any. They're good at winning ugly. That's that's what separates them, I reckon. They're the best team in the comp at winning ugly games. In uh, I think. I think that comes from from Marco Kurtz. Um, I, they're definitely not the the, the best team um, in terms of capitalising off poor performances. Uh, that title obviously goes to Perth, but I, I can I, I get what you mean, um, and I think that just comes from Marco Kurtz' experience, mm. as to be honest. But um, as I was talking about those Friday night games, I think it's actually had a negative effect on Adelaide because 
just over 8,000, literally 8,005 people showed up to this game. You'd, you'd expect a little bit more. Um, and I feel like that Friday night market for a game um, shouldn't be overdone because I think it can actually it can actually negatively affect the team. I mean, they they got they got what like 13,000 to their first game, and you've had a drop of four or five thousand people. Like, yeah, you're going to get a drop because everyone will show up to round one and they won't show up to later games. But that seems a bit dismal. So um, the FFA have <laughs> sort of fucked Adelaide over there a bit, I think. But anyway. That's, uh, yeah, scheduling is, isn't the best. Yeah, uh, we know we know that it isn't, but uh, I just uh, it's it's lazy. It's it's so lazy because we've had uh, we've had three stadiums host Friday night football. We've had obviously Spotless, um, Amy Park host two games in a row, and then Hindmarsh host those two uh, the two at the start of the season. This one, um, and then we got we got um, Spotless again next week, I believe. So uh, this this Friday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so beautiful. The, it's terrible scheduling, terrible scheduling. We'll move on um, from there. So that comes to Saturday afternoon, and uh, this is where Zach can take over because it was the Mariners who lost on the day, 2-1 to Sydney FC. Zach, uh, what about the Mariners? It was really a crappy afternoon to be a Mariners fan, as are most afternoons that Mariners play in general. <laughs> uh, look... I think, and most people tended to agree, for the opening half, Mariners tended to dominate over Sydney. Uh, Simon's goal was sketchy at best. Everyone accepts that. But we saw a chance within a minute uh, from Jack Clisby. Look, I've got to say that Simon was an absolute beast in that entire game. Like, he had Van der Linden's number the entire game. And I thought... It was just funny to see. I don't know. There's something, something meme-tastic about uh, Matt Simon playing well and not playing, like, I don't know. It just seemed, seemed like a meme for me. It's I don't know why. It's see oh, him I playing in I don't mind these players being memes, as you put it, um, Marcel, because obviously you, you play shit, fair enough, you, you're going you're gonna to cop quite a bit. That's what we, as, as, as people that pay our hard-earned money, to, to watch football should be able to do. But I feel like in Matt Simon's case, sometimes it does go too far. Um, case in point, what it's done to Robbie Cruz's mental health. Um, you know, you shouldn't be abusing players too much. And then, you know, when they play good, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a meme. But I don't, I don't appreciate those kind of comments, to be honest. But anyway, Zach, you... Look, you look, look, at the end of the day, look, obviously we, we take it in jest. But it was good to see him, like, do well because, look, he's... I don't know how old he is. Maybe I think it's... Uh, just over 30, but look, he's, he's still proved that he's still a good player at, at times when, when he wants to be. The line that, that's refreshing for fans with Matt Simon is he plays with passion, and that's something that the Mariners have been lacking in their players for the last few seasons now. Uh, I'm not sure if people paid attention to the Jets-Mariners game at the end of last season, but you had Mariners players laughing about it, and that's as a fan, it's a killer. To see someone go out there and actually try earn the shirts, very refreshing. Speaking of someone that does have a fair amount of passion, and obviously he didn't play because he was red carded, but Khalifa Cissé, uh, I can tell you, because I was sitting right behind the goals at MIB the other night, he, the way he would demand his players around like that, that defensive line, when they made the slightest mistake, Cissé just, he, he showed passion, all right? He was laying onto them every time they made the slightest mistake, and he obviously, he obviously you know, he's, he's had quite a quite a decent career as it is, but, but I think um, he's someone that can really... 
um, really helped the Mariners in that in that sense. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if it gets given the captain's armband. Um, I'd agree with that. You say for me, he's also been probably one of the more surprised sort of players that we've had come out this year. I know that Mariners overhyped him, or they hyped him a lot. I wasn't expecting a lot. He came from Thailand and he's 34, but he's almost a very good replacement for Alan Barrow. Yeah, look, um, I think anyone that plays for for sides like Derby and Ipswich already have that tough element in them because you're playing 46 games a season in the championship and yeah, okay, it was maybe five, six, seven years ago, but I think that 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 doesn't really live. <laughs> you know, it's it's a, it's an element that can you can really be taught how to um, have quite a good um, element of endurance in your game when you're playing, um, you know, football that's that's that sort of ferocious and, and quite a hard task on the body. So I think Khalifa Sisse is obviously very tough, and he, he obviously is a, is a brilliant leader. So. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think he will be a player to cherish. But being 34, you know, is he going to be able to stay for for, for long? Well, he did say I'm pretty sure that this would be one of his last seasons. Like he was going to retire until Mulvey gave him the call to go to Gosford. So how long he stays, who knows? Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. To see as but, well, um, is um, Mariners have Jonathan Asperpin. Well, Aspro, he's coming back from injury in the next week or so, and it'll be interesting to see what goes on in the lineup between Cece, Golic, and Aspro. Uh, and Aspro replaces Golic, to be honest. Yeah, Golic hasn't, hasn't had a my good opinion. Like he's our beloved Lord Golic, but he's he's um, probably not been not been deserved of a starting um, eleven spot. That does raise the issue, though, then if Cissé does retire at the end of this season or struggles sort of through next season is whether the Mariners keep forcing Golic through it or bring in another player that's probably going to say. Well, you'd, you'd, you'd make the smart choice and you'd buy a new player, right? I mean, I don't care whether he's international or that's... local or whatever. You, you need to find a suitable replacement. Mariners don't speaking have of, good, Speaking of which, Zach, this will probably be a more question for you. Do you think that your board leadership and board management has enough in them to invest deeply into the Central Coast Mariners? Well, that was my next question for Zach, was on um, the active support, which I know you're a big part of, Zach, and also, yeah, the, the, the leadership and the administration of the Mariners. It's obviously something that you would uh, would like to rant about. So I'll let you take the reins on that, mate. Uh, <laughs> You find that a lot of the, towards the end of last season in particular, uh, as Ocon had his issues, a lot of play, uh, fans rather were demanding for Charlesworth to go out rather than Ocon. Uh, you do find that a lot of the time, Charlesworth just doesn't invent, invest. Uh, we found with Lucky Wales a few weeks ago that thing came out saying he was being paid 80 bucks a week. And that sort of is that line in the wages where players aren't willing to really fight for it if they're not if they're underpaid. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I can see your point there. Uh, and a few years ago, uh, yeah, Charlesworth wanted to expand Central Coast uh, Stadium for seventy-five million dollars, make it into a bit of a hub. Uh, do you, do you want to? And did he want to expand the capacity, or did he just want to fix it up? Because obviously the seats say "Go Bears" on them, and, and obviously the community around the stadium is 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 going to be developed. But what, he wasn't going to change the capacity, was he? Uh, it was a slight increase to capacity as well as a hotel. However, whether to plan for a uh, stadium expansion for seventy-five million dollars uh, when we very rarely get over fifty percent, I don't think I rem- 
I think Newcastle Jets at the start of last season was the last time I saw us over 10k. Yeah. Uh, it shows that he's got like the he's, he has the right intentions, but he doesn't have the right timing. So. Or the money. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, a lot of the fans feel like 75 million would be better invested elsewhere throughout the club first. Um, and you also found that since Charlesworth took over in 2013, the club's just gone slowly down. Um, a big issue I've found as well is a lot of the time uh, with the fan base, you get a lot of casual fans for the Mariners, all the families and uh, elderly, so people don't look deeply into the club. Uh, if they see there's no results, the coach gets shafted for it, no matter previous experience or anything. Uh, and then they'll see the coach is sacked by Charlesworth. They'll think something's being done that's going well, and a new coach is brought in, and the same issue remains. Well, that, I think that's kind of reflective of the the fickle nature of just the Australian sport fan. It's unless you're a diehard of your particular team, even just of the sport itself. Australians, what I tend to notice, especially the Australian sporting culture, is that if a team doesn't win, or if a team is not winning or producing results, they tend to take a step back, or they don't invest as heavy as you've just pointed out. Only when results come in, they start to fill up the stadiums again, or they start to um, increase in crowd attendance. And I think it's just reflective of, I think it's every club in the A-League is like that as well. Like Wanderers, we have that same problem. Like a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago, we were abysmal and the crowds dropped big time then we started to win again and people came back mm. Mm. just on the matter of attendance um as i just pointed out 8005 at adelaide's game 8386 in Cosford. so the man is actually outsold um a club on on um on obviously seating and, and attendance there which i can't have thought when that would have last happened unless there was an F3 derby. But speaking of the F3 derby, I'll just move on again. Um, Alex and Zach, do you think it's been scheduled way too late in the season? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I would have liked to have seen it sooner, but... Yeah. So right, when when is the, game, by the, way. the scheduling? Um, 23rd of December. Yeah, it's still a few, a few weeks away. Wow. It's I, I I knew in my head that it was round nine, and obviously this has just been round six. It's just been played, so yeah, it's, it's terrible, really. Because I mean, in, in my opinion, uh, if you're going to have the Melbourne and the Sydney derbies to kick off the season, round three, you might as well host the F3 derby because both regions are small enough and they have their nice looking stadiums, and you could probably pack them out and get a good atmosphere because there's still there's still that sort of freshness, if you know what I mean. Um, well, maybe do you maybe. Know what the- Maybe even host it in round two and have like a double header with the Melbourne or Sydney derby. That might even be an even better idea. But well, I was just about to bring up that point with what the Premier League did last night. Yeah, um, yeah three derbies in a row. The whole right. derby derby day, like yeah. for three teams, the A League should look at doing that and have like Melbourne, the Melbourne derby, Sydney derby, and even triple header and have the F three derby on it like an earlier time, like say a three o'clock kickoff or something, but. Obviously, they probably the won't do that only because the Sydney Derby and the Melbourne Derby are big selling points for Fox, and they won't put and that's prime time viewing, especially because that goes onto their uh, channel 10, uh, 10 boss, I think it's called now. So yes. they won't they won't sacrifice one game when it brings in some sort of viewership viewership equaling dollars. So I, I love the intention. Yeah. I love the fact that that like. 
kind of thinking is there, but there's no way in Australia yeah. they would put three massive derbies on the same day, let alone, you know, like over the uh, in the space of nine hours of each other. What do you, what do you th- think about the marketing Fox have done in the past? Think about the Oh My Goodness campaign. Think about even Thursday Night Football. Like, yeah, no one's watching the W League, but it's probably got more viewership now that they've given it the Thursday market. I mean, they could probably do a massive event and, and organise it and be like, yeah, it's Derby round, let's do this. And I think if they promote it enough and it's playing ads while there's cricket on, well, you know, there's there's even footy on if it's in April or something. Like, you know, you can still probably organise that to the point where it's a successful event for Fox. I think they can still the do that. The only way that I can think of I it have, is if they do a Derby on, say, a Friday night and they do... Another yeah, derby Friday on night, Saturday, Saturday night, night, and then they do another Sunday derby afternoon. on a Sunday. Yeah. That's the only way that I that I could think of how that particular concept, uh, Matt, you were just saying, would actually work. Yeah, but even in that way, it'll still be perfect. If rights clashing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, whether which W you'd want to put on the um, Saturday night for free to air, that's up. That's up to bloody the league, but that, that could work if, you know, the league really wanted to give that a push. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... I feel for it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with that, because, I mean, eh, it's it's just, it's too much debate, not enough being put into practice there, but um, <laughs> is there anything, anything to say on, on Sydney FC? Because I guess, you know, they, they did get the win um, on, on, on the day, but are they are they really uh, are they falling off? Is there you know, signs to, to worry about their performance on, on the day? I, again, I didn't watch it, so I wouldn't. Know. I mean, second half they were much better. Second half they, I'll, I'd say they probably slapped Central Coast around. But um, Brent, can I just say Brandon O'Neill, what a fucking strike that was! I mean, that was fantastic. That is, I reckon that was one of the goals of the season so far. Yeah, uh, I mean. That's what you get with quality sides like Sydney FC. I mean, they might not be playing the greatest of games, but they have that touch of extra quality. If they're not doing well, that out of nowhere, something like that will happen. Yep. I would say that there would be alarm bells ringing that the first half was as poor as it was against <laughs> opposition that, in all truth, is as poor as the Mariners are. Yeah, because, I mean, um, by, by all reports, I mean, that, that first half hour was, was pretty shocking on their part. So... You know, I, I, I guess I, I worry for them a bit, but, I mean, they've had their time, you know, and, and uh, I don't think Corica is going to struggle. He'll get them to the finals, probably get a semi-final, probably have a, a decent campaign in that sense. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a slow decline. Um, it's probably not a painful one, but I guess it's I guess it's just somewhat unfortunate to see that happen to a team. Um, but, I mean, you know, it, it happens. Uh, that's just the way it is. So... Zach, is there anything, if you can just shift through your notes, anything that you'd like to say on the Mariners before we move on? I've found something that Mulvey, since he's come to Mariners, has changed from what we were used to when he was at Brisbane. So he used to always talk about um, being technically proficient and tactically savvy and all of this. He spoke about possession and being high-tempo and proactive. Um, in fact, there was a quote from him saying that he hates seeing a long ball and he switches off the television if he sees teams playing that. But you look at the Mariners, we've been languishing at about 37% possession at full-time, most games. 
and it's incredibly... The polar opposite to how some of those players would have played under Ocon, because Ocon's strategy was to just control the possession and hope for the best, right? So Pretty much. Uh, for, for the individual players, I imagine that would be frustrating, but, but anyway, move on. Uh, I just find it interesting to see that Mulby's completely backflipped almost on what he used to speak about, and now we see half the time we'd longball it down to Matt Miller on the side or put it through to Connor Payne, and we just rely on long balls and hope for the best in that case rather than hold possession and hope for the best. Yeah, it does. Just, uh, uh, yeah, no, look, that would give me the shits, that old hope for the best mentality. I mean, it, the Mariners... The, the Mariners are just, they can't seem to do anything right. Will, Will did say it the other day. They could have Messi and Ronaldo and, and just nothing would go right. They're, they're just that sort of club at the moment. It's incredibly frustrating for the fan base. We take the mickey out of our own players non-stop now. But it's just frustrating seeing different tactical styles constantly fail. Ocon's main issue last season, we saw a strong start, but then he was completely unable to adapt. So as soon as he was worked out, we were done for. This season, I said at the start that we'd take a while to get into Mulby's style, but if it remains as a hidden hope, I'm not so sure what our chances are at like, getting off of the bottom two. Yeah, well, fair enough. And thank you for your thoughts, but we do need to move on uh, to Saturday night's main event. Just under 20,000 people at Marvel Stadium. The victory hosting the Wanderers. Uh, Marcel, any thoughts <laughs> on what was a dismal performance? I think that's the best way to, uh, to put it. It was just an absolutely abysmal performance by the Wanderers. Uh, Marcus Babel in his press conference basically said at the end, uh, we were non-existent in the first half. And he compared us to rabbits in front of snakes. We had absolutely no idea what was happening in that first half. To be honest, it could have been at least maybe 4 5 nil going into into the, the half time. Like, for example, Oliver Toivon uh, missed uh, one-on-one with uh, Janjevic in the third minute, and there were plenty of other opportunities that were spurned by Melbourne victory, and it could have easily been, like, 4-0 out coming in half-time. And someone has to comprehend for me what the hell Tarek Elvich was doing for the penalty. I have absolutely no idea what was happening, and I don't know what he was trying to do. He fell over himself, uh, and his fall knocked over Antonis. I don't know. All I know is that he was at sixes and sevens, and we were absolutely punished and belted for how poor we played. The second that happened with Elrich, and, um, you know, I, I guess I'm glad you mentioned it, his career dipped so quickly, didn't it? I mean, he, he was great in that season that Adelaide won the league, Um and obviously he played for the Socceroos a bit. He was really, you know, a solid character at Adelaide, one that you might even consider for a Johnny Warren medal at times. I mean, ever since he's moved to the Wanderers, it's just it's it's been very hard for him to recapture that form. And Look, in the first season when he was with us with for the Wanderers, he wasn't that bad. Don't get me wrong, it might be that was six, six seasons ago, but it was still he wasn't that bad. Well, well, yeah, I mean he. he um, He's obviously like a completely different player now, but my, my main point there was that, you know, his Adelaide self has just seemingly disappeared, and I don't know where that's come from, whether it's a, a management issue, whether he's just not enjoying his time in, in Parramatta. I mean, you don't really know what you can put it down to, but, you know, it's just it's really awful to see that happen to a player. Um, we'll 
move on to the victory. Um, just how much of an effect are Honda and Toivonen having on the other players in this team? Because, you know, you could easily just look to them and say, yeah, they're the reason the victory are playing so well. And in many ways, that is the case with the amount of um, assists that, that Honda already has. And, and um, Toivonen's, you know, bagged an assist 10 minutes into his own victory career. They they really are big names, and they really are going to um, to be the faces of an incredible season. But if you're someone like uh, I don't know Corey Brown or uh, or uh, uh, Terry Antonis, how much are the presence of these two incredible players changing your game? They're changing uh, it tremendous strides. I'm not sure how many of you guys saw Honda's interview post-match. He was just constantly speaking about self-improvement and doing the uh, whatever benefits the team, hence why he let Barbaroussas take the pen, although Honda's been the penalty taker for the whole season. Uh, And it's sort of that mentality that he'd instill with the younger players in the victory squad that would help them a lot. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, no, no. and he's absolutely true. He's absolutely correct in in saying that. Yeah, look, I mean, he, he could say, look. I I think so. Just just to rant on for a bit here, I think that Honda by himself could have ripped Wanderers apart. Like every single thing that went right for the victory, Honda had a hand in, and I think that's a positive thing to showcase to people who are you know trying to get into the game that you're trying to promote the product of the game. This is the person who needs to lead to be the face of all the marketing. And it's just unfortunate that, or at least from my perspective anyway, that it had to be done against my team, that his talents, his skills, his leadership, his finesse, his everything that makes him a fantastic footballer was on display against the Wanderers. We were saying it in in round two, I believe, just after round three, just after the victory lost to Perth. I don't know. We were saying it obviously, obviously earlier in the season that um, Honda is a big enough name that could probably sell to more people, and he's obviously proved that um, with attendances going up. I mean, even with the Wanderers being a, being a being you know pretty poor at the moment, they still managed to get just about twenty thousand to, to to Marvel Stadium. So. That just proves that there actually is quite, you know, he's not he's not Del Piero levels um, of talent, but I mean he's he's definitely there to, to bring in the numbers and to, to be more of a brand. And the more you can sell these big performances, absolutely, Marcel, he's he's going to um to be a real big um big selling point for for the victory and and their game and their players, the entire squad, the entire organisation really. He's he's almost bigger than them. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's fantastic and and all the Toivonen. Um, you know, let's not just call it the Honda show because all the Tobin's just come from scoring at a World Cup against literally some of the best players in the world, um, the World Cup winners, really. So he's, he's come out of that. Um, I'm sure he's, he's gained confidence a lot. He, he turned down Swansea to play for Melbourne victory. That is not spoken about enough, to be honest with you. Oh. But, you know, if, if, if these two guys are going to keep on playing well and I don't see how they're going to drop um, informed, then perhaps even Perth, who are re- really hot, should um, should be fearing what this side can do. Well, speaking of Toivonen, um, Toivonen. the way that he le- he let off the goal, uh, he set up the goal for the fourth goal actually at the end. He could have taken that and scored himself, but just the flick on touch that he gave to Antonis at the end, mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. That just shows how much quality that he has. Yeah, he's, he's, I, I gather that he is, um, he's, you know, a very, a very good, like, team character 
Um, it's it's just unfortunate that, that Honda just sort of trumps him in that, that aspect. But um, I kind of got selfish, like uh, selfish vibes from him at some point because there was one there was one shot that he had where he came in golf side and someone I don't know who it was, perhaps Costa was was right there in the box and he did he did side foot it into into uh, the side netting. Sorry, um, and uh, and you know I was getting selfish vibes from him, but then um, as you say that assist happened and it was like oh wow well, okay so. Um, perhaps it was just the one opportunity that got to my head, but yeah, no, he's he's a great character, and, and Cascade is too, and, and the two of them are just going to to run right um, in this season. So, yeah, victory are a machine. The Wanderers are having their fair share of problems. Let's move on to Sunday, the big VAR controversy in uh, in Wellington. Uh, hmm. Wellington played the best performance. Uh, Logan Smith said it to me. Probably their best performance since that game where they beat Melbourne 4-0 in Wellington, um, and that was quite a while ago now. So, yeah, um, they should have absolutely won. Obviously, Krishna, Roy Krishna, is the highest-scoring Phoenix player of all time now with his 34th goal. Um, And it was just a a really good atmosphere up until the red card happened. Um, Most of us agree, except for some biased glory fans out there that are really getting on my nerves. That uh, the red card was an absolute joke of a decision, um, and because football can be a really cruel game, Diego Castro puts in that equaliser. Perth get the point. Now I will say Perth um, showing that composure yet again is good, but that's not what happened here. It wasn't. It wasn't a case of Perth um, being composed and, and waiting for that right moment. It was a case of the red card being the reason the goal went in, um, and. Involved Wellington and, and Mark Rudan proved it. I mean, you've got to be absolutely, absolutely enraged by that. It's, it's, it's simply not fair that something like that can happen. So, what do we make of, what do we, what do we make of obviously the decision and, and, and you know the VAR now ruining um, our game once again? It's, it's terrible. Uh, it's been pretty bad the VAR consistently for the A League. Uh, Mike Mulvey actually raised it after the Mariners game. The idea, It's unrelated to Mariners, let's put it, but he raised the idea of having ex-players reviewing VAR decisions rather, rather than the referee. Do we think that would work? Yeah, my, well, Okay, well, well my, uh, my idea is to have a rugby league cricket style where the referee can at least announce on live coverage what he thinks of the decision. Um, although that doesn't actually stop bad decisions being made, but you know, at least it gives it gives people an understanding of why it's, it's actually it gives, happening. Yeah, but it gives clarity. And if a decision is that bad, we can all be enraged. And I mean, Gregor O'Rourke, the CEO of the the Hyundai A League, has written a letter to David Dome of the Wellington Phoenix, their their CEO or, or general manager or whoever, and he's pretty much just said, "Hey, look, I'm sorry. I'm genuinely sorry that that happened to your football club." And um, if that's happening, you know, if there's big enough controversy there, um, perhaps we could we could all be equally aware of the flaws of the VAR if it were announced there and then that, hey, he slid in and he's got his stud to his leg. Now, you know, I can see why you might have uh, a reasoning there to give a card, but the problem there becomes it shouldn't have been a, it shouldn't have been a straight red. It should have probably been a yellow. For the, for the studs going up um, because there was momentum and also the fact that it happened in a random part of the field. Isn't that supposed to be for, for, for penalties and the like? You know? Um, for red straight red cards, it's not. 
it's anywhere. Yeah, for straight red, it's not. Okay. Okay. It's well, anywhere. Um, uh, look, I still think um, I still think the system is a bit flawed because obviously the, the, uh, Adam Kersey, Adam Kersey didn't catch it, um, and you know I, I still think it's it's not really a red card offence. So the VAR just okay. Yeah. I'm no, what, to... what I what I'd like to say is um I think the problem with the VAR. I mean we've gone into this, but like that situation alone. Look at it in real time and tell me if that's a red. I can understand. They always go into slow motion and they all got to look at the littlest tiny things to make a call. That's not how it should be done. But um, with that point about the referees like in cricket and rugby hack and here to talk in over the stadium, that wouldn't work because it's FIFA and FIFA don't want any of that in the game because it ruins the integrity of football and, yeah, I could go on, go on for days about how the Swiss go about their business, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, look, um... look in general, in general, look, I've made my feelings known about VAR heaps of times. Um, I don't agree with the system at all because at least in Australia it's flawed. The referees aren't educated enough. No one is educated enough in the country enough to use it. So either if it's going to be implemented, it needs to be implemented at full capacity with everyone who is meant to be implementing it knowing how to use it, when to use it, and how to use it effectively, not for situations like this, not for the debacle uh, that happened in the Sydney derby and a few other times where it's reared its head and ruined the game. Like, the player did not deserve to be sent off. That was, yeah, granted it was late, but the intent was for the ball. It wasn't to take him out, and it was in a random part of the field. And slowing it down, everything looks bad when you slow it down. Yeah, everything works. So they're, they're judging their opinion on how slow the footage is when it's slowed down. And you say, oh, wow, he clearly took him out. Well, duh, obviously it's going to look worse when the footage is slowed down. When when someone's studs are up and they go into someone's leg like that, it'll look bad. It'll, of course it'll look bad no matter the speed. I think even even at, even at, at a normal speed, you probably still... Can, you know, you're probably still contemplating to say that that's quite a serious offence. But the fact of the matter is, he had momentum. His legs were in such a position, and I know it sounds weird to get this specific, but his legs were in such a position that as he slid, his foot pulled back up and just happened to to get uh, I don't even know who the first player was in, in 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 the side of the leg. So it was accidental. It was accidental, and you shouldn't be giving that a straight red on in in, in any case. It's it's a terrible just call, but. You know, and yeah, it's just um, the 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 VAR will, will be flawed if um, because camera angles. Uh, I don't think it's just a slow mo thing. I think camera angles in general can can make things look look worse. And um, and it's it's just it's really unfortunate that you're relying on technology to to change something like decision like that when it's more than likely going to to ruin it. Um, so yeah, it's it's just unfortunate, but. Uh, on the Phoenix, they were much better, much, 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 much better. Just onto the football now, and um, Mark Rodin's probably, probably had it up to ear already. I mean, the Melbourne City loss um, killed him. He came back, he was positive, and he got the one 0 lead against Adelaide. And then the own goal happened, and then that was buggered off. And then the exact same thing happens the next week. You know, you're at home again, and it happens again. One 0 lead, confident team playing some of the best football you have in the calendar year of 2018, and that happens. So, 
it's it's just you got to feel for anyone in New Zealand who loves their football right now because um yeah they've just they've they've run out of luck and they're already a side that probably isn't isn't one of the the better teams in the competition as they seem to be proving at times so it's unfortunate but um there's not a whole lot you can do you can you just have to hope it gets better instead. well Mark Rodan actually said something really interesting in the press conference um he actually like, I thought it was a fantastic one, and he basically said that Phoenix, little old Phoenix, never get the rubber the green, and I think that's that's true. Like my opinions aside of Wellington, um, they don't they they get they see the back end of every result of every decision sorry, by the referee, yeah, and and just as a football footballing I, I think, um, club in general. Even the publicity with this very incident. Look at the Sydney Derby VAR decision, even the Melbourne Derby VAR decision. Look at the publicity they got. Every single form that was remotely related to football in Australia was talking about it. They were enraged. It happens in New Zealand, and all of a sudden, a few people sort oh, of care, you know? So I, I think I think our forums, and maybe even CAF, were, 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 were posting about it and this and that, but I still think there was a lack of publicity as a whole um, on the decision. So, yeah, no, I, 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 I get what you mean there. It's, it's just... It's, it's unfortunate, and you've got to feel for Phoenix fans in that regard. Well, here's a question for you, Matt. Do you think that uh, Glory did enough to get the, the one point? Do they deserve the one point? Absolutely not, no. Okay, Absolutely and, and, and why? I mean, like, seriously, did you... Did you I mean, the, the shot count was, was, was one thing. They didn't offer a shot... Um, not even like a shot. It's not like they weren't having shots on target. They they didn't offer a single shot for about 40, 43 minutes or something. How how the hell do you expect to say, oh, my team played well, my team's you know deserving of, of a point? I will compliment them in the fact that they they are constantly composed under Popovich and and they all they all take one second to to put the ball in the back of the net and hurrah, we got a point. But I mean, I I can't look at that positively. When, when something like this is the reason it happens, you know? So for all the credit, it's just, it's it's not enough. And, yeah, the Phoenix are robbed. So anyway, uh, I think we can actually just move on because we are going a bit over time. We do have one more game to talk about. Alex, your Newcastle Jets were blown out of the water by mm. Melbourne City. I don't think you have much to say on the game. It was a dismal performance. Um, unfortunately, we have another talking point. To, to get onto. So, um, to speed things up, how would you sum up the Jets' performance in a sentence or a word? Uh, I can do it in a sentence, maybe not a word. All right, go. <laughs> Final ball. Or should I say, promising but not promising enough. <laughs> like, because honestly, I'm re- Can I have like a mini rant? Because I want to have a mini rant. I've been doing yeah, for this really... a few weeks. Oh. Like a quick minute rant. Alright, go. All right. Well, Lachlan Jackson, you're not a fucking left back. Ernie Merrick, why are you picking him? Yeah, Vuit today was killing it all last year. And you pick a big, tall backup centre-back to be a starting left back. It's ridiculous. We need O'Donovan back. ASAP. Um, he comes in round two. Um, Central Coast Mariners game, first game back. <laughs> oh, that's round nine. Okay, well, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, it's just, I think everyone's worked this out. And, like, 
problem is I think a lack of investment in the offseason is really starting to show and a lot of Jets fans on like Jets forum pages forum pages and all that are getting very fed up and some are even saying yeah we're not going to even bother turning up on um, Sunday or Saturday whatever day yeah, I, I thought the Ledman group yeah. I thought the Ledman group were doing a fantastic job I thought they were really advocating for the Jets quite, quite well well, I don't know if you've read this in the off-season, but, you know, Trump's tariff wars with China and all that, yeah. that's really costing Martin Lee a lot of money, and because of that, he has to keep the Jets at a tighter budget now. Oh, no, I did actually hear about that. You're right, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, the money is costing a lot of Chinese investment, and, yeah, it's affecting football. No, yeah, I did I did hear about that. Um yeah, I mean, well, you can't blame ownership in that case. <laughs> oh, no, it's not the ownership. It's just more like, well, you didn't bring in anyone. There's not a whole lot that can be, can be done. Um, mm. Okay, so we'll, we'll move on to Melbourne City. Um, and Joyce, <laughs> Joyce v. Bruno. Um, I guess there's, there's not a whole lot. We've, we've, we've covered Joyce and the whole youth development thing quite well. So just quickly on Bruno, um, uh, do, you, do you think he has any any um, chance of, of, of being back in the A-League, perhaps with a different club? Because I don't see him playing another game for Melbourne. He, he well, won't if he won't you believe... Sorry, yes. if you believe the rumours of what's flying around, Joyce has actually told Fornaroli... Braddon and Caceres to leave the club. Yeah, I sort of fake play for another club. club. And there's apparently also three unnamed youth players that have been told to go. And that Joyce is looking to sign um, uh, Bacchus on a permanent deal to replace, you know, um, the, the three, especially Braddon in the middle. So who knows? I think there's much discontent in um, Melbourne City. You know, as, you know, I don't know if you guys have read Hamlet, but there's something rotten in the state of Melbourne City. <laughs> there we go, Re- teacher reference there. Yep. No, English teacher. I get it. Huh, funny. Um, yep. Okay, so let's let's say, cuts out of the bag here, let's say Melbourne City just say, stuff it, we know who we are now, we're a youth development club, we're like a, a Chievo in, in Italy, we're, we're just going to, we're going to fuel the youth and the City Football Group are going to be proud of us because we're going to, Get all these players, and we're going to get them overseas, and we're going to make the city football a lot of money. Let's say, let's say they announce that, yeah, that's that's their goal. That's what they want to do. Warren Joyce to be their manager for the next four years. Um, do you think, therefore, attendances and the things off the pitch can can actually go in their favour if if you know if if fans can be drawn to watching Australia's best talent play for this under this one label? Do you think that'll actually help them in that regard? Well, it might help them establish an identity because I think that's one thing that Melbourne City lack. They lack something for fans to cling on to. Like Melbourne Victory, are representative of you know, from people that I've spoken to, Melbourne. They are Mel- They are Melbourne. Whereas, what is City? What is Melbourne City? They're just whatever Melbourne isn't. They're just whatever Melbourne Victory isn't. And it's unfortunate. So, so. Yeah, and you know we've spoken about how there's a market problem. We've spoken about how CFG have a certain goal with them. Um, is is this actually a good thing? Are, are we going to go back in our word here and say that perhaps taking your flamboyant players out of the system is going to work in their favour? Maybe, maybe not. 
In terms of becoming a youth development club, I'd draw a comparison to Vitesse in uh, Netherlands, who are Chelsea's feeder club. Vitesse yeah, fans... It's pronounced Vitesse. They, their fans are devastated at the fact that the club became the way it did as a feeder club, just developing the youth. So in terms of the fan base, it probably will not help them at all. However, it would probably be good for Australia's youth to have a club dedicated to getting them overseas. Well, that's so what basically, the AAS was. production line, just, but just for Melbourne City and the City Football Group. So this is what we do. Do we sacrifice, the let's say, the soul of the game in order for the City Group to develop these young players, produce them, and then sell them off for a profit? Well, here's where I'm conflicted because, yeah, I want I want a, a football club that isn't based around development and solely development because I don't think they'll ever make the Champions League and, and they'll, they'll never ha- be able to strive for a top spot unless something freakish happens one season and they just have all these kids that can dominate. But the, the thing that may happen here is we could see Aaron Moyes and, you know, people like Harry Kuehl even and, and all these generational names come out of this one club and you know we could have we could have a, a, a you know a side in the Premier League that has like four or five Australian players, and by extension we could probably be the Socceroos would probably be very good, and we could probably go to go to World Cups and, and Asian Cups and just become this this giant nation that that that's everyone sort of underrates, you know. So I mean I don't know what to think. I, I think I think um, perhaps we're just it, we're, it, it's too early to, to get in, get a grasp on. Look, I think it's a it's a very slippery path if City Group say we're going to be solely a developmental team. We're going to develop young talent and we're going to sell them. Only because if because we're such an insular league and we don't have promotion relegation and the FFA Cup happens literally in the off season and only the top two qualify and there's a third uh, qualification spot, like a, a playoff round for the Asian Champions League. Do we honestly think that a squad, basically we're saying an under-23 squad, are they going to make the Asian Champions League? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Um, who really knows? But it won't just be young kids. It won't be a starting 11 of young kids. You'll still have people that are dedicated to the club and, and different A-League players that probably, because it's it's the A-League, you know, they do have a lot of shifting in between and a lot of journeyman players that go between clubs. So that'll still, that'll naturally still happen with Melbourne City, but with the focus being on development, perhaps you see more of a pathway and, and more of these names come into the light. I mean, personally, I'd love to see someone like Rami Najarin come onto the scene and be playing week in, week out right now because he, he seems very confident. He said something, I, I, can't, I can't quote him because I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something really, really like over-the-top egotistic the other day. But maybe that's a good thing. Um, the one thing I'd like to pose to the three of you is if Warren Joyce eventually leaves, and, and when he does, because he won't be there Sir Alex Ferguson style forever, um, if they do become a youth development club, do they stop that? if they find someone new that's a really good candidate, or do they look for someone else? They'll look for someone else. There's plenty of coaches dedicated to it in the game, so obviously my natural assumption is if that's what the City Football Group wants and if they want to focus on developing young talent, they'll obviously find a coach or a manager who's experienced in that. I mean, like they'll find probably someone with a similar resume to Joyce coaching at like 
top teams in Europe. Yeah, yeah I agree as well. The City Four group, they'll they'll get the person that they want. So if they want to uh, develop youth, they'll find a, a coach who who is technically proficient in developing youth and you know promoting them and selling them off. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, if that's if that's what we think they'll become, if that's what they they want to become. Um, do we, you know, pretty much it's just a yes or no question at this point. Do we do we actually see it being a success? Do we actually see it being exciting? No. I say it as a maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, no, uh, I, I would say a no. But look, success maybe financially, but if you're talking about the essence of the game itself, not really. Um, yeah, I agree with that. That statement. I agree with that. Uh, we can just about leave it at that. Uh, any final comments for the show tonight, boys? Or this morning, I should um, say. Tuesday morning. Um, Zach, I might be negative about the Jets, but look, at least we're above you, so that's what makes me. <laughs> that's all weekend. So, yeah. Even if you can give back to that. All right. Just had to say it. Just had to throw that <laughs> yeah, No, No, fair enough. Um, who have the Wanderers got next week, Marcel? Uh, we've got Central Coast at, uh, Spotless at 7.50 on Friday. Mm. So oh, it's going to be like... It's, this is this is literally a six-pointer for, yeah. for, both, for both spots. Yeah. I just hope that pitch is better, and it should be, right? Look, well, we can only hope that it is. You know, R&B Friday is the effect of it. You know, who knows? Maybe the Ravers will still be on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just stomp, stomping on uh, shat, uh, what is it, plastic and stuff. So who knows? Plastic shards and, and nails. Okay. We well, uh, I guess that'll just about do us for tonight, this morning. Uh, it's been a fun show, Zach. Thank you for coming on. We're going to have uh, Nate from Brisbane on next week as well. So it'll be an absolute pleasure to have more and more guests. And hopefully, this is a tradition that we continue in and out. Alex, myself, we'll see you next week. All right. Thank see you later, guys. Peace, guys.